0: Thank you, Joel. Easy, eh? There it is. First Corinthians 13. It's a cakewalk. No problem, right? Yeah, you're right. Easier said than done. Or like we say in Spanish, el papel aguanta lo que se le pone. You can put anything on paper. It's the proof of the pudding. It's the doing. That's, that's the challenge. Welcome here, by the way. Uh, great to see a lot of uh, new faces and familiar faces. Um, it's, you know it's inevitable. This morning, the inevitable season of the year where you're moving a switch this way and then this way. This morning, turned on the furnace. Later on, I'll turn on the air conditioner. Then I'll turn the furnace back on. So we'll do that for a couple of weeks, I'm guessing. I'm going to patent a switch that actually just sets the temperature and it decides when it needs air and when it needs a heater. Or well, maybe it's patented already, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but it's fall, and it's great to be able to have Sunday school again and to uh, kick off some of our programming, and uh, we sure hope that you feel Welcome. Uh, it's it's interesting uh, I've de- kind of decided that in fall in September when we kick off our our fall programming that we should go through our our vision statement which is those uh, those set of words on the wall here to my left worship God, love neighbors, make disciples grow young so each one is two words and like we already said love neighbors that's easy that I don't know why we even pay attention to that today but uh, we, we talked about worship God last time, last week, and look at how things come together. See, we're going to talk about love neighbors this morning, and then you're going to get a chance to actually, you know, put your feet in the water this afternoon and greet some new people this afternoon at the barbecue and be friendly and, and um, embracing, inviting and, and that can kickstart all kinds of stuff. Maybe you'll cross the street and say hi to your neighbor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, So and I realize that you probably have to walk up close to those banners to read the part underneath, but that's okay. Uh, we've got some really nice new banners. Uh, today we want to talk about loving neighbors becoming a valuable part of our community. Uh, it's interesting, it's been said, if your church was no longer there, would people care? Would your community care if your church was no longer there? Uh, would they even notice? Uh, those, are, those are honest questions. And I you all know that I believe in divine serendipity. And there were not a lot of homes over here when we, we built this place years ago. But I think that God has actually placed us in a strategic spot. An amazing spot with opportunities that are just growing every, every day. So I hope you're excited too, because I think we've got a lot of stuff we are going to be able to do going forward. So this morning, I want to give you four things uh, to, to kind of get you thinking about how to love your neighbour. And so uh, I'm going to talk about these four. There's probably more that you can think of, but here we go. In order to love my neighbour, I have to, number one... Experience God's love for me. In order to love my neighbor, I have to experience God's love for me. Mark 12, 30 to 31 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbors yourself. There's no greater commandment than this. Those, they're linked, actually. But loving your neighbor means receiving God's love. It's pretty hard to pour out of an empty jar or glass. To begin to love your neighbor as yourself, you need to know two things. You need to know what love is. What does that look like? And you also need to know that you are loved. You need to know that you are loved. It's important to understand what true love is. We love people by genuinely seeking what is best for them. And by the way, the difficult thing is, is sometimes discerning what that is, because you might come to me and you think that a, an expression of love is this, and I might respond differently and think that actually that's not the right expression of love for you. Loving others does not mean agreeing with everything that they say or do, nor does it mean acting in ways that always gain their approval. Notice what John says, this is love, in 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son. So, first of all, experiencing God's love, you are the object of God's love, God loves you. Knowing that is foundational. You're not just loved in a general way, but deeply loved, unconditionally loved. And I hope this morning, you're hearing that, that God loves you, that he really does. We tap into this when we understand that God loved us first. He's the source of our love. So we actually give out of what we've already received. God actually loved us even before Jesus gave himself for us. He is the source of all love. So this morning, before we can love, we need to receive it for ourselves. You can't give what you don't have. So you need to experience it. And... This may seem a little uh, off to some of us. Loving your neighbor means loving ourselves as well. Hmm. To love your neighbor as yourself, as commanded, you need to measure correctly. And what's that measurement in the command? Love your neighbor as yourself. To love your neighbor, you also need to love yourself. And I know that's often misunderstood. It often gets mixed up with dying to self or denying self, as if that means to destroy yourself. I don't know that that's true. Jesus died for each and every one of us. He valued us enough to die for us. And so I think we owe it to ourselves to value what he values, which is ourself and others, your neighbor. Learning to love ourselves prepares and helps us to love our neighbor. I know that we can't do it on our own, nor does focusing on others obsessively allow us to love them better. To be a good neighbor, we need to first love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment, and God put it first, not second, for a reason. For us to love others, we need to be filled with God's love first. And so my heart needs to be transformed and focused on the Lord before I can love my neighbor selflessly and intentionally. So what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? I think that's sometimes a tough one. But that command is found eight times in the Bible. Not once, not twice, but eight times. It's so important that God repeats it. And he makes it a command. And not only a command but he makes it a primary command and he links loving your neighbor to loving God. I know that it isn't always easy and I think that's why he made it a command. He knew he'd struggle and actually I think making it a command is beneficial for you and me because we have to do it on purpose. We have to be intentional. It, it doesn't, it's not going to creep up on you by surprise. It's going to have to be intentional on purpose. So number one, we have to, to love our neighbor. We have to experience God's love. Number two, we need to prepare to love our neighbor. In order to love my neighbor, I have to prepare to love my neighbor. Practically speaking, there are certain ways we can prepare to be good neighbors. I'm going to give you a couple of them. First, we need to spend time in God's word. Every day. See, we need to spend time with the Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit so that His love pours out of us. Secondly, we need to pray intentionally, that we, that we would see the needs around us. Sometimes that means removing the blinders, because I don't see. So I pray intentionally that I would see what God has in front of me. And I think that prayer shows a heart that is operating out of the love that he has given us. And thirdly, we must look around and see the opportunities the Lord places before us. I used to tell students, don't pray and ask God for opportunities to be a witness, because we already know from Scripture that God is a missional God. It's it's part of who he is. You can't separate God from his missional heart. So if that's true... And if it's also true that God chooses to use his children for that work, then you actually don't need to pray for opportunities. So I would tell students, what you need to do is every morning, before you get out of bed, pray and say, Lord, I know you're going to send opportunities my way. Help me to see them. All I'm asking is that you help me to see them. Sometimes I'd have students come to me after the week and say, wow, did I have opportunities this week. And said, no more than the week before, you just saw them. And, and sometimes there are divine interruptions. Something you don't want. But it's a God moment. So we need to look for the opportunities that God places before us. We all have neighbors. There are a certainty in life, and it's God's command that we love these neighbors well. Thirdly, in order to love my neighbor, I have to see my neighbor. I know it goes kind of similar to what I just said. Frederick Buchner. I probably butchered Buchner's last name, but he's not here to defend himself. Frederick Buchner said, If we are to love our neighbors before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors with our imagination as well as our, our, our eyes. That is to say, like artists, we must see not just their faces, but the life behind and within their faces. Here it is love that is framed, that is the frame we see them in. That's a human being. And it's interesting, all of us are dragging an anchor around. Uh, You don't see mine, but it's there. It's all those life experiences and everything that makes up who I am. It's it's my family background. I'm dragging that thing through life. And, And so when I connect with you, that's all part of who I am. So if you're just seeing this, this face, and you're not... You're not recognizing that there's a whole lot more to the person behind that, right? And how much interest do we have to see our neighbor, we need to identify with our neighbor. Proverbs 3:28 says, "Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow I'll give it when you have it with you." It's interesting in this verse, a neighbor is someone who asks for help, but it also implies that our neighbor is someone we see regularly. Notice he says, tomorrow. We would not say to someone we ran into once, go and come back tomorrow. The phrase here only seems to make sense when used with someone we are able to see the next day. The idea that we are to love others is sometimes more specifically stated as the call to love your neighbor as yourself. And it's always easier to ascertain how to love properly to those who you are most in contact with. That's why it's so challenging when somebody you don't know, you meet one time, and there's a plea put in front of you, and you're trying to ascertain how am I supposed to respond to this, because you have no context. Who is my neighbor then becomes a natural question to ask. Loving your neighbor is more than simply loving those who are like us and love us in return. So who is my neighbor? My neighbor is anyone in close proximity with whom I can share God's love. We're not called only to love those who are similar to us or those who we are comfortable with, but all those that God places in our path. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us that we are to even pray for our enemies. And by the way, the best way to turn an enemy into a friend is to pray for them. And I'm not talking about pray that they will fall into a deep pit. (laughs) Actually, the prayer for an enemy, the benefit of that prayer actually is the effect that it has on you. Because that prayer changes your perspective, your mind, your motivation. And actually, you might find your own heart softening. That's why the person that can't forgive and carries a grudge is the one that's most wounded in that scenario. Because when you can't forgive, you're carrying that, and the other person might be totally oblivious to it. God calls all of us to love others. As his children, we are meant to show love. We're to show compassion, whether it's costly or inconvenient... And yes, it's difficult to know who is our neighbor. I went to the dictionary to find out a definition for neighbor. And I found that it said the other person or anyone who is in front of us. So you don't have to worry about the guy sitting right behind you. You're in the clear. Regardless of nationality or religion. In the New Testament, the word had the literal meaning of the one near. In the Old Testament, the word meant friend, companion, fellow, or simply another person. So we could safely say this morning that Scripture encourages us to love our neighbors, our enemies, our friends, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm not sure who you could leave out then. That pretty much covers everybody. It's probably safe to conclude that Jesus meant for us, were intended for us to love our neighbor as anyone we come in contact with. No matter their ethnicity, their beliefs, or even their actions, we are to love them. You uh, probably know that in the parable of the Good Samaritan, there was no contact prior. And in fact, their, their ethnicity, their beliefs, even their actions were different. This was an unplanned encounter. But he was near the man because of physical proximity. He came upon him unexpectedly. They were from different ethnic groups. They were social enemies. And yet, because the Samaritan had a compassionate heart, he saw the man as his neighbor. The family living next door or across the street from you is your neighbor so is the person sitting at the table next to you in the coffee shop or sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office. They're all your neighbors. We are not limited only to those with whom we have something in common. And as I've already alluded to, there are no coincidences or chance happenings in view of God's sovereignty. The details of our life are often orchestrated by him. Divine serendipity. So, if we abide in Christ and we walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit and we carry out this command to love our neighbor, we will live with an awareness that He is orchestrating our steps for the purpose of our being ambassadors to a world that needs His love. Number four, my final point. In order to love my neighbor, I have to prioritize my neighbor. I don't have to just see him, I have to also prioritize my neighbor. Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, no one is to seek his own advantage, but rather that of his neighbor. I think to love someone properly, as yourself, you have to know the person. You need to spend time with the person and strive to understand the person. It's probably a stretch to say that we know ourselves. uh, It's not a stretch to say that we know ourselves more and think about ourselves more than anybody else. But Jesus says that we are to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. We are to prioritize our neighbor. We won't care about someone deeply unless we are intentional about understanding that person and treating him or her as the Lord has treated us. In other words, we are to put our neighbor ahead of ourselves in word, thought, and deed. I know that can be intimidating to know where to start. How do we go from looking to our own needs and preferences to helping those around us? But it's in mimicking God's character by loving our neighbor that our own godly character is developed. If we love others... As we love ourselves, we are displaying the Lord's work of sanctification in our lives. So loving your neighbor means showing grace, acting with compassion, looking after their well-being, serving them, speaking kindly, sharing in their joys and sorrows, and yes, it means forgiving them. It means forgiving them and we love our neighbor out of an overflow of God's love for us. So why is it important that we learn to love our neighbors as ourselves? I think, in part, it's because nothing else reveals as clearly that we are true disciples of Jesus. There's a difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Orthodoxy is right knowledge, correct dogma, we can have it all straight in our head. But orthodoxy without orthopraxy, right practice, living it out, is actually not worth a whole lot. The litmus test isn't really what you know, it's what you do with what you know. As we love our neighbor, this is a living example that communicates louder than any words we will have ever had the opportunity to speak. The world needs love. It needs the love of God. And so the question is, how will you love your neighbor today? Stop asking, who is my neighbor? The decisive issue is, what kind of person am I? God's justifying work for us and transforming work in us commissions us to a path prepared beforehand of good works to walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2. And you will find that on this path, there are real people with real lives, with real stories. And when we encounter them, they are a divine call to us. They are an opportunity, a welcome mandate for us to be who we are in Christ. So let's make sure that we are a welcoming community, a valuable part of the community by loving our neighbor and reflecting Christ to our neighbor by our love. Let's pray, and then I'm going to ask Andrew if you'll come up, and we'll see if there are any questions or comments, and then we'll do some more singing, I believe. Let's pray. Lord, you have told us to love our neighbor. You've told us to love you first with everything, and then to love our neighbors ourselves That's uh, sometimes really tough. And there are times where I can think of a thousand reasonable excuses for not doing it. And yet, there's that call that you have on our lives. And we want to be obedient, and we also know that we need discernment. Because love has to be practical, it has to be true love, and it has to be true help. So help us to be discerning and wise. Help us to care about those around us, those that live amongst us, those that we work with. Help us to be uh, good neighbors by loving our neighbors the way you have called us to. We pray this in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen.
1: Yeah, that's a good spot. Um, we've got one so far. Um, can you explain uh, can you explain why loving neighbors is a part of our vision statement? How will loving our neighbors change our congregation?: Oh. You that's
0: guys like... got another half hour?: <laughs> I, I, You know, I, I think that vision statement and the order is significant. Uh, worship God comes first because everything in my mind flows out of worshipping God. But then I actually happen to believe that the the two in the middle work together. Uh, It's as we love our neighbor, as we live out our faith in the trenches, to me, that's the context of discipleship. Discipleship isn't a a three-hour course that you take in a classroom that now you have in your head and you graduate and you can say, I got a certificate in discipleship. Actually, to me, it's as we're doing stuff. When I remember when a bunch of us went to Salvation Army uh, pre-COVID, and we had from little kids all the way to seniors. I'm looking at Carl because he was there, and so he's the senior. <laughs> there you go, Carl. Um, and and serving, serving, and and I I I stood there as a pastor, so proud of this group from our congregation that was serving. And, and to me, that's the discipling opportunity. It's, it, there's, there's no disconnect between loving your neighbor and becoming a true follower of Christ. That's the to me, is the context. So to me, those two in the middle, they go together. In fact, I don't think you can do that third one without doing the second one with it. And then the last one, which doesn't look spiritual at all. I realize that. But I don't think God called us to supervise the slow death of the church. So we want every generation to be here. And because we know, statistics are clear, that, that if we're not authentic and embracing and involving the younger generation, they're going to say, hasta la vista, baby. Okay? So when we say grow young, all we're telling ourselves is that we need to have every generation here and there's a generation that we need to really keep engaged. Okay. Did I answer your
1: question? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we would be able to love our neighbors so much better if we truly understood what it means to be loved by God.
0: Yeah, and, and I don't know. Uh, sometimes I think we still get caught trying to work for his approval instead of just receiving it. I suspect that sometimes that creeps up in my life where, where I feel like I have to behave in a certain way for God to actually love me or accept me, when, when he gives that to me, right? Uh, there's a difference uh, between doing something for approval and doing something in gratitude for what's been given
1: freely. And so I have to keep reminding myself of that. Yeah, yeah and you could almost add, too, that it's not like... Once, you, once the love of God is fully real to you, then it's not like you're doing your best to love out of your own you know, capability to love your neighbor, but you kind of become a conduit of, of God's love, right? Now you're a vessel. Now you're not yeah. just a servant that's trying his best. Like, there's, um, there's an empowerment that happens there. Yeah. Uh, what can we do to remind ourselves what it is like to be a neighbor and not a regular attender here at church? Come again. Come again. What can we do to remind ourselves of what it is like to be a neighbor and not a regular attender here at church? Like how can we better empathize with our neighbors? How can we get into that mindset?
0: I think part of it is to 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 change our mindset from being inward focused to being outward focused. Inward focused means that we that that all of our energy, all of our resources, all of our attention goes toward, building and sustaining a clique. I'm, I'm exaggerating to make a point, okay? But that's inward-focused. So there's insiders, us in here, and outsiders, those out there. There's a, there's a difference between being inward-focused and being outward-focused, where where when we get together, those of us that are part of this family of faith, part of our concern and our energy is motivated and directed toward how do we reach people out there? How do we minister? How do we connect with people out there. Uh, that's, that's more outward focused. So the barbecue this afternoon, this, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be blunt, but to me, the barbecue this afternoon would be a colossal failure if only EFC regular attenders showed up. that That's the way I look at it. You can chide me later in the foyer. I'll wait for you. But... but we're, we're meant to be salt light, and, to, and, so, and we've, got, we've got a lot of neighbors, right? So I think it's, it's, it's about changing that mindset from inward focused to outward focused. And, and sorry, but in that process, you can't either be so outward focused that you neglect those on the inside. You have to keep the balance. What does that balance look like, Right.
1: You've already, you were halfway answering this one, but um, how do we move from loving neighbors as a program to it being a foundational principle? Already talking about shifting the yeah. mindset. It's
0: the same thing as discipleship. If it's a program, uh, your, your, your success is not the same. Uh, I think it has to be part of our DNA, it has to be part of our, our way of thinking. Um, And and that's a process, yeah.